What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Sunday Lead Screamers podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with my two co-hosts, Vito Anazelli and Michael Noen. We have another great show for you, but before that, please take a moment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcasts. Also, follow us on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod. Welcome back, Mike. How you doing? <laughs> Tired. My back hurts. I've been moving. Life, life, there's a lot going on. A lot of changes. I have to wake up at 4.30 now for games. This fucking sucks. Welcome to my life. <laughs> I hear a lot of complaining. It's kind of great. Well, it was also my own choice. So, yeah. But the weather's good. Was it, was nice. it really your choice? Well, that's a different conversation. We're not getting into it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's just, let's just talk some news then. Let's, let's, let's move on. <laughs> um, a lot of big transfers actually this past week. Um, biggest one, at least that comes to my mind, Casemiro over to Man U for 66 mil, it looks like to be reported. Um, are you surprised the way Man U is actually, like at their current moment, the way the state of the club is right now, that they were able to actually recruit someone of a, you know, he's won five Champions League over at Real Madrid? Uh, honestly, I think it's going to play out to be a good signing for the next one to two years. But I do think this is, it just stinks of a panic buy for me. Uh, the first two games obviously were not ideal for Ten Hag and company. And Man U, you know, I guess it's been pretty well documented up in the transfer window thus far. It hasn't been the greatest. They had Erickson come in. They have Malasia come in, who in his the game, we'll get to it a little bit, looked really well. But I do think that it's a move that there, it's a stinks kind of a desperation. Um, I think Casemiro will be a good player. He's obviously proven that, but there's so many, I feel like just holes in that team and so many issues meant with mentality of some of those players that, you know, it's not just going to take one player in Casemiro, but it's going to take a true, a true reform at that club. So, yeah, of course it's, it's, you know, not one guy that's going to be able to turn the tide. I mean, otherwise Ronaldo would have done that already, but uh, I'm not surprised that they were able to pull. Casemiro out of Real Madrid either. Uh, everyone knows that Camavinga, uh, Valverde, and Tucumani are the future of that midfield on that team. And getting 60 million pounds up front for Casemiro plus an additional 10 potentially Oof. to come through for a 30-year-old Oof. is kind of a no-brainer for a club like Real Madrid that that is going to have you know no problem attracting talent. He's definitely someone that Man United needs. Um, and he's going to have familiar teammates in the likes of Verona and Ronaldo. So it's not too surprising that they were able to do it, knowing Man United's uh, quote-unquote desperation state at this point in terms of transfers. Um, but I do think he's going to offer a lot, and, and, and really as a hard-nosed defender is going to slot him pretty pretty seamlessly. I mean, I don't expect too much of a, uh, what, what do we call it, like a, a warm-up period right to that life at Manchester United. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. You give me the uh, A couple other transfers. Yeah. I was going to say, give me the opportunity. I definitely would take De Jong over Casemiro. Just throwing that out there because that's who they were targeting for that. Yeah, especially because De Jong would have been 15 million more only. But uh, then again, who do you have playing that? That's that deep. uh, That deep. I think Casemiro is actually a better a better selection for the more for the need, need, right? Yeah, Yeah, more of a center, like a true center defensive mid. Like he's going to be better than McTominay, Fred, all those guys. Um, But yeah, no, Mike, I agree. If you're looking just like a central midfielder and going attacking wise, De Jong obviously would have been the choice. Um, Palmieri to West Ham. I didn't have a reported fee yet. That one seemed pretty new. I thought I saw it was confirmed though. I think it was like a, uh, in the range of like 20, 20 to 25 mil, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Not a bad move for them, but didn't they just sign somebody too? I thought. Uh, they signed back. a couple, they signed a couple people. Um, West Ham. So 
Well, then they, they got Cornet. They, yeah, yeah. they got Cornet. Well, Cornet, he's not even necessarily a left back, but he, he can play more or less attacking winger in that system. Very true. Very yeah, true. And, and just to confirm, 15 million pounds for Emerson. 15. Gotcha. Uh, so sorry, Casade, uh, and I say his last name to Chelsea, 17 mil. Uh, Morgan Gibbs White to Forrest for 33 mil. They continue their, their buying spree. Mm-hmm. Um, Math- Matthias Jorgensen to Brentford. He was actually a free agent. Pretty good signing for them, actually. Um, short of the back line a little bit. Uh, Matthias Nunez to Wolves, 55 mil. Um, they've been, they were very quiet over the summer so far. And obviously, the way they've started the Premier League so far, not really too well. Um, enough of a move. They also picked up, I don't know if we covered this the other week, but Guedes as well uh, from Valencia. Uh, the attacking winger for Portuguese, obviously. <laughs> with yeah. Yeah, 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 I think we did. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> surprise, uh, surprise. <laughs> Shocking. Um, but I, I don't know if we covered that or not, but I do think I, I, the game against Spurs, well, obviously we'll get to it. Both of them played really well, Guedes in particular. So I, I do think it's it's a good signing for, for what they need, at least up front right now. Fair, very fair. Uh, we got Thilo... Kierer to West Ham, 13 mil, another defender. Uh, Jesus, the names this week are absolutely phenomenal. Brighton <laughs> um, signed somebody for 20 mil. Name, first name is Purvis. Estupian? Estupian. Estupian. He's actually very Estupian. good. I, I've watched him play a little Estupian. bit at, at Villarreal, uh, left back. He's going to be a slot in really seamlessly for Cucurella in that system. So that's a great mm-hmm. signing, honestly. And then uh, Inoma... Udogi. <laughs> he goes by des- Destiny. He goes by Destiny. I like Destiny much better. Um, what is this? Like, what is this Armageddon? Wasn't that one of the names of the spaceships? Space shuttles? <laughs> um, he was also loaned back to uh, Udinese, so I think he's back there for the, f- the full year. Um, mm-hmm. Good job signing for them. Yep. Any other um, ones you guys noticed, really? In terms of transfers, nothing else that really stood out over the past just, week or just so. Just really speculation to my to my. Oh, well, actually, like, that recently came out today. Mm-hmm. But Hudson Adoy to Leverkusen on loan, so yeah, that's pretty and, much official. And in more Chelsea news too. Um, trying to sign that young Everton Gordon for they're saying up to seventy million pounds right now, <laughs> which is crazy. But um, he apparently has already communicated to Frankie lamps and the Everton board that he would like them to accept the move. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's an absurd amount of money for a 21 year old who hasn't done enough to earn yeah, 70 proven, million, literally nothing proven. Nothing. Yeah. Um, but that's just another, another piece. It seems like a lot of the transfer news uh, in recent weeks has been centered around only a very few, very few clubs uh, in the Premier league. All right. Serious question for you guys. Very serious. If your club was to go and spend seventy million on a guy who's proven nothing, twenty-one year old, and then also potentially buy Harry Maguire for God knows what money, do you? I th- is that allowed to have a one-time switch without rep- like repercussions, like to support another club? Like if that happens, like am I allowed to just go support Leeds? I feel like that's fair. No, 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 no. You live with no. it. No, Mike's a had, Spurs fan. You're asking yeah, the wrong yeah, crowd. Yeah, yeah, you, you, live with, you live with this, buddy. Like you chose your horse a while yeah. ago, pre Abramovich, as you always like to say. And now you're living with the consequences of yeah. post Abramovich. So Listen, deal with my it. 10 year old self was cool with Abramovich. He wasn't cool <laughs> with this kind of crap going on. Well, look, 
I mean, I don't want to get too far into this. This is not a Chelsea podcast, obviously, but as a Chelsea supporter, I, I do have a thought on the matter. It's most people were very concerned when Todd Bowley first took over that were Chelsea supporters, right? What, whether or not he was going to be able to come in and make an impact because of the lack of transfer activity initially. And then he started spending the cash on whoever he can get his hands on. And it's now starting to seem like he doesn't understand the game enough to understand that he needs to save money and spend it on the players that he needs to be spending it on, not yeah. just this free form buying up all this youth talent that sometimes or a lot of times doesn't always pan out. So I think that's a concern if you're a Chelsea supporter at this time, whether or not he's allocating money to the right avenues, not necessarily whether or not he's going to spend the money, because obviously he's going to. Yeah, I thought he made excellent signs in the beginning of transfer with him with like cool Bali and some other and some other names, but now it just seems like he's going off a weird he's path. overpaying. We, ha- we have guys that feel like that dirty. Like, what more do we need from him? That's almost like me. I'm reading that as like high pool sick is gone. Yeah. I'm, 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 t- these funds that are, are buying Gordon are going to be coming from a future transfer from, from this guy. So that's at least how I'm seeing it personally. But um, let's move on to our stars and stripes section and talking about some Americans right there. Um, this is where we go over all the United States men's national team players that across the globe had some good standout performances. Uh, second straight week where our number nines are balling out again. Yeah, it's, it's been up, hot for them. Dude, they're very, very hot, like very hot. Yeah. Um, I, first up, we got Josh Sargent playing for Norwich in the championship. 86 minutes played, 83% passing, two goals, was given the Eden Hazard treatment in this one, being fouled five times as well. Um, man and match performance from him. He was also on the pod last week. We did, not on here, but he was on this segment last week. Um, scoring a goal too. We've brought this conversation up before. We feel like he's played his way out of the national team, but there was a slight chance that if he started off the year the way he is currently starting it, mm-hmm. that he might get called in for one last look. What do you guys feel about it? I think he's the most talented, purely talented nine that we have, technical ability, just to be frank. If he keeps this form, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't bring him in, especially given the fact we've had our documented issues with the nine over the past couple cycles, right, with the World Cup qualifying. And even if you don't start him immediately, he obviously has the ability to be a game changer, right? Uh, maybe Ferreira stutters, maybe P-Folk stutters when they bring P-Folk, but he offers a different dimension that I feel like both of them don't necessarily have. And I think he'd be a great addition as either that second or that third striker. And he was also, again, versatile. He could play on that wing. He's got experience doing that as well, if needed. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and just to quickly go through the next two, because I think they all kind of work hand in hand with each other. I mean, Jordan Pifok played 62 minutes with a goal and assist, four out of 10 aerial duels won and was man in the match this week. And Haji Wright played a full 90 with two goals and one and converted a penalty. I mean, there's only one guaranteed name that's on the, the team sheet at this point, knowing you know, knowing Greg's selection process, and that's Hazy, and that's Ferreira. That's it, right? Outside of that, you have to talk about the two and three. And right now, for me, it's still a toss up between P. Folk and Sargent. Now, honestly, if you're going to pick a number two, I think you'd, you'd be very hard pressed still not to take P. Folk. He's still putting up numbers. I don't care about one week from Josh Sargent. I think P. Folk's a more complete forward than Josh Sargent is, though, especially given what this United States team needs given the fact that we have these young uh, pacey wingers, but realistically midfield forward. I mean, we're, we're considered one of the smaller teams realistically in, in terms of size. Um, and I think P folks offers a little bit of a different dimension to that and a little bit more strength than we're going to see Josh Sargent. However, with that being said, I still think you pull both of them together. Do you think he has better holds up play than Sargent though? 
Like, and I think he would fit into what we need for that through. for the team the way it's built than Josh Sargent would. Josh Sargent does have that that better hold up play. He can drop back and pick up the ball right and kind of work into that false nine position. But when you have players like Brendan Aronson and Christian Pulisic on the wings, and even even McKenney, who's going to be able to get forward, and, and players like Del Torre, you have the pace and the trickery that you're going to have the opportunity to beat players on the outside and send balls into the middle. That I think Jordan P. Folk is more in tune with converting than Josh Sargent. So it's actually funny you bring that up too, with, especially in terms of converting. Um, I looked up his expected goals for the season thus far. It's only 0.69. He has two goals plus an assist. So he's creating a lot for Berlin when not being dished out nearly as as uh, not being supported, I guess, as enough. So he's being yeah. he's being able to take those half chances at the time being currently and then turn them into goals, which is awesome. Yep. Um, to my knowledge, I think he actually picked up a little bit of a knock, though. He might be out a week or two. Um, so that's kind of something that we have to monitor as well. But Yeah, he came out early. Yeah, he came out pretty early in this one. And then, with yeah, you mentioned with Haji already, I mean, three goals in two games. He's looking pretty good right now, too. The only thing with him, if you're going to – I I truly think P-Folk's probably a lock for this squad at this point. Like, Pepe is out of, out of the team. He's played his way out. That, that was a terrible transfer on his part and his and his management uh, team over there. But is Haji too similar to uh, P-Folk in terms of size, hold of play, and creativity? Or I, does, he, does he offer something different? my opinion is that they do have very similar play styles. However, I think they differ in a few, a few key strengths. Number one, while they are similar, I think Jordan P folks a little bit better in the air and he's a little bit stronger and he's a little bit more clinical in front of net. However, with that being said, the runs that Haji Wright makes behind the lines are superb. And I think that that outplays Josh Sargent and P folk. So while they are similar players, he does offer an entirely different dimension in that regard. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like he links up very well with our with our midfielders. He plays kind of like Giroud a little bit, like for like for France. Mm-hmm. And if if he got to finishing too, I, I I wish he I wish he came out to the scene like a year sooner, and we got to see a little bit more of him. If if he's if he was doing this one year prior, he would be a lock for the World Cup. I think. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, some honorable mentions: uh, Aronson and Adams had an absolute masterclass against Chelsea in a three uh, three nil win. Aronson had a goal where he pressured uh, Mendy. Turned it in his first Premier League goal because the first one was taken away. Stupid, but he got his first. Um, and Adams looked, dude, he looked. He was, all, he was all over the place. Like. All over. He was exactly what you expected him to do in this lead side. Break up play, connect the attack of it. It was just superb yeah. performance. What's, what's the saying? A, a fat kid on cake, right? He was everywhere. <laughs> white on rice. White on rice. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of a fat kid on white cake. On rice. Never heard the fat kid on cake. <laughs> Didn't even have a saying. Just said "fat kid cake." <laughs> that was it. That's you, you guys a, know that one, right? That's definitely a saying. <laughs> fat kids do love cake, don't you know? Um, he's he's making Marsh look like a genius for the for the both of those signings. Yes. Um, so good for him. Miazga had a goal in a one-one draw. Cameron Carter-Vickers three out of, three clean sheets out of four to start the year. He's looking really good. He's even pinging some long balls right now from our last couple of games. So. Mm-hmm. I still think he can play his way onto the squad. Hopefully he does. And then uh, all of uh, Bruce Gladback are pulling for, or at least the admin of the Twitter account, <laughs> for Joe Scali. He had three straight starts this season. And um, they're calling for him. They want him up there. Yeah, even today too, because uh, it wasn't written down, but Chris Richards in a Carabao Cup game, he got the start for Palace. I believe his first start. And from by all accounts, looking at Palace Twitter and then looking at some of the ratings he had, at overall, he seemed to have a very solid game for, for Crystal Palace. So, so promising signs for them. Love to see it. Um, let's get into a little bit of controversy. Our goalkeeper, 
it's probably one of the first time in a long time that we've had a competition or even just a question mark. I mean, we had Guzan for a while. Um, before him, obviously, Tim Howard for God knows how long. Um, before him, Brad. Uh, not Brad. Uh, who's it? Keller? Is it Brad Keller? I don't remember. No. Casey Friedel, Keller. Brad Friedel. Friedel. I think Casey, Casey Keller. Friedel. Yeah. Yeah. So we've had, we've always had a, like someone solid in net, and it really wasn't too too much of a question. I would say it was kind of like they, they came to the net, and the new, next guy was stepping up. So this is the first time we've had like a true competition. Turner not playing at Arsenal right now, but when he made that signing, we all knew that was going to happen. He was coming to a backup role. Stefan leaves on loan from Man City, goes down division to Borough, uh, Middlesbrough, and is playing poorly. What do you think that does? Is there an advantage either side? One's getting playing time, not playing well. One's not getting playing time at all. It almost no. feels like Turner got the is in the lead now at that point because I feel like Stefan's playing his way out of it. I think Turner has been in the lead, and I think he's a lock. Right? You can. You, we talked about it. We we know that we know that we're going to want to see players in form going to the World Cup. But when neither team, when neither person is playing, you're sticking with the tried and true, the, the tested. Right? Turner's mm-hmm. played out of his mind. Um, during the Gold Cup and during qualifiers and, and things of that nature. And until you see differently from another keeper, I don't care that he's not playing. Um, he has to be the number one starter because no one else is getting minutes and no one else is going is putting in performances that are able to usurp Turner's past performances. As horrible that is to say, you still want to see, you know, someone in the in net at all times. But until that happens, you have to stick with what you know. And that right now that's Turner. Um, that last qualifier, I believe it's what, September? that the United States plays Japan in Germany. I fully expect Turner to be the starter. And I think that's going to be a clear indication that he's, he's the number one going to that first match of Qatar. Yeah. I don't see any world in which Matt Turner isn't the starter as of today. Um, I think it's good on Stefan and I'm glad he made the move to Burrow. And I think it was the right move to make, but if he's playing this poorly and again, time, there's time on his side, he could change that. Right. And mm-hmm. maybe burrow go on a bunch of runs and he hits a bunch of clean sheets. But until that happens, there is no indication that it should be anybody else, but Matt Turner. Agreed. Okay. And then last thing I want to cover uh, regarding the U S we have two kind of little transfer sagas going on one with Christian Pulisic another top player in Sergio desk, where to my knowledge, Zavi basically came out and said, Hey, bud, you're not playing. If you want World Cup time, go like literally just go and basically kick him out. Um, thoughts on this, where they should land, should they leave, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Pulisic, I mean, I know the rumors came out that, man, you were interested in him. I know there was rumors about Newcastle. Um, honestly, I think Newcastle would be a great landing spot. Man, yeah. you, I, I just don't want him to be in that dressing room, to be frank. Like I just, like we talked about, I think it's a shit show. I think the mentality is super fragile and that's not something I feel like here most players would want to be around. Um, I think at Newcastle, he would be joining, not to overshadow the sports watching, but he'd be joining an exciting project under an exciting manager playing attacking football. Um, he'd probably be guaranteed starts realistically in that team, opposite of Alan St. Maximin. Um, so I think that's, the logical choice to stay in the prem and do that and get really solid minutes from from Pulisic's perspective if he's not going abroad yeah agreed but you also have to you also have to think about it like he needs to be going into a side where not only is he going to get minutes but he's going to be playing in his preferred position and for me that's either on the left wing or he needs to be in that that 10 role behind the striker right and I don't think he's going to get that especially on the left wing at Newcastle per se 
Agreed. If he's going to choose one of the two, it needs to be New- Newcastle United over Manchester United because he's not going to get a look in over Rashford and Martial to start. Um, and Jaden Sancho, it's just not going to happen. And he needs he needs the minutes. He needs to reestablish himself and his consistency because that's clearly where the issue is at this point. We know what he can do. It's the fact that if he's going to do it week in, week out, which he obviously hasn't, which is bringing this move on. Um, reports are that he's super flustered at Chelsea and he's not, he doesn't like Tuchel and his tactics. He should so be right now. Yeah, he should be. He shouldn't be happy with that. I'd be disappointed if he was then with his position at the moment. Um, so I would still say expect him to move. And I don't expect Des to move though at this stage. I would like Des to move on that note. I would like him to get out of Barcelona. And I saw a rumor today, even I, it kind of intrigued me that Barcelona was open to like a swap deal and they had rumor with um, Meunier or whatever the fuck his name is, Thomas Meunier. Meunier. Meunier, yeah. Uh, they're right back for whatever reason that they want to target him and then send Dest to uh, beat Borussia Dortmund. In my mind, that's a great move for him. I know, there was also, I know there was also talks about Dest to Man U, coincidentally. That one I'm like 50-50 on only because he has played under Ten Hag and Ten Hag would know how to get the absolute best out of him. And you would assume if he's bringing him in, He's probably going to be starting for Manu in that case. So I feel that. Um, let's talk recaps. We had a pretty eventful week uh, or weekend this past Premier League. First up, Mike, you want to take it away for us? Yeah, it was a nice little 1 0 Spurs win over Wolves. Um, and it definitely was a tale of the two halves, to say the least. Uh, the first half, just kind of recapping. Wolves honestly looked much the better team, had a bunch of great opportunities and chances that honestly they should have taken and they should have been up probably at least one, if not two, nothing by that halftime point. But when you're playing teams in that top six, obviously, if you're not capitalizing, this goes for any team, but if you're not capitalizing on those opportunities, more than likely it's going to come back to fucking bite you. And it did when Perisic flicked on a header from a corner right to Kane at the back post, who then became the all-time club leading goal scorer uh, for a single club, passing Sergio Aguero, 185 goals. So accomplishment. it's an amazing accomplishment for a one-season wonder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Never going to let that go. <laughs> but That's ingrained that, in Tottenham history now. But that so. being said, um, it's not like Spurs also had the greatest, I guess, second half there were. They did have opportunities beyond that. Um Wolves did still have a few as well, and it easily could have been tied, but unlucky a little bit for Wolves. You can see, like we mentioned, the signings, uh, Nunez, Goncalves, Guidas, uh, they looked really lively and good, and Pedro Neto as well. Um, I, I still am a little scared for Wolves as a team and where they're going in terms of their trend and what they've been kind of putting down in terms of results, but I think there are building blocks there, at least for them as a team, to continuously move forward and at least kind of escape. I don't think they're in the relegation zone just yet, but they're, they're, they're near it. If I'm not mistaken. It's a very similar uh, start to what they had last year, right? They went, they had three straight one nil losses uh, this year, something relatively close to being similar. And then, um, I mean, yeah, they're one safe penalty away from, again, starting out with three straight losses. So slow starters to a Premier league season, maybe um, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm not concerned because obviously you want to start off much better, but they've been through this already. They came out relatively fine. I think they were top half of the table last year, right? So yeah, 
I wouldn't press the panic button, but I'd be like, kind of like, Hey, let's, uh, you know. this was, this was their issue also that we talked about in the beginning of the season where it's like, they were living and dying by that one Oh score line and they needed somebody other than Raul Jimenez to step up and score goals. And unfortunately you're not seeing that right now with them. So. Yeah. Poor guys. <laughs> uh, next up palace three Villa one, uh, Vieira's men back on track after top opening two games. Um, it feels like they're better than the teams around them and below them. And they're going to, I feel like this year they're going to make that step up to where they ca- they're capturing those three points, but uh, they don't have enough to really contend with those top guys in your, in the, for the European uh, spots. Um, and on the other hand, Gerard has a lose. Gerard has a losing record uh, for, for, uh, for Villa right now. Any, any concern over his managerial spot? I think it's too soon to consider that. Um, granted it's, it's going to be a, a thought if these, these, you know, these results continue to happen. He has a lot of talent in that squad. Um, that is just, excuse me, just not producing at the moment, um, to go up inside five minutes, um, with, from Ollie Watkins scoring, which is exactly what you need, right. From your, your star striker there, um, only to fall back to level footing, what, two minutes later with uh, Wilfred Zaha, uh, strike. It's definitely a worrying concern there. But I think he will right the ship. I think he's had a tough start to the season so far, and there's just getting starting to get in tune and click again. But it definitely is worrying considering that he had half, what half of last year in order to kind of understand his squad and, and where they need to be. But like Mike said, it kind of mirrors the way I feel about Wolves as well. You know, the slow start, it's nothing they can't handle. They have the talent in the squad. I think they'll be fine in the long run. And I don't expect them to be pushing for the top six, top seven, top eight spots as it is. So we just have to keep an eye on it and see if he's able to right the ship uh, over the coming weeks. Yeah, two straight summers where they they spent some serious money and we we feel like they they should have. They're underperforming. They should be progressing much farther. Definitely they're, underperforming. They're, they're underperforming for sure. I wouldn't say you should worry about Gerard as a coach or manager his position at least until around the Christmas time frame or probably after that World Cup. And if it's still sour after the World Cup, then. Or actually, you know, maybe even before it, like if it's really that bad, that might not be a bad time to pull the plug if it's really that bad. So, but understandable, but yeah, palace though, man, they look good. They always look good. Love them. Isaiah in particular. Uh, Great player. Yeah. Moving on. We had Everton one, Forest one, Uh, Everton picked up their first point of the season. Nottingham um, still finding a way to get results early on the season. This could be their way that they could pull a Brentford, potentially get yep. as many in the beginning of the year, and then dry that out. That's kind of the feel I'm getting for them. Maybe all these signs are gonna matter to some points. Um, my big concern here is Everton, right? We said they were gonna have to pull up three points against the teams around them in the, in the table where we think they're going to be around come the end of the season, and clearly not doing that to start off yet. And definitely have some concerns for them. Yeah, I mean, like we mentioned, uh, Dominic DCL. He's injured now for a little bit. He's out. Who did they put up in that game? Solomon Rodon or Rodon, yeah. whatever his name is. The, I, the dude's not a Premier League striker. He's not quality in that sense. Um, and until they have somebody to replicate DCL without the injuries or replicate Richarlison, they're just relying on Anthony Gordon and Alex Awobi and Damari Gray. And they got lucky with that over-the-top ball by Pickford, which was beautiful, beautiful touch, beautiful goal, but that's just not going to be the case for every game. Um, so I think it's basically they, a 90th they, minute winner, right? Or they, I'm sorry, not winner, uh, tie. Draw, I mean, right? They were, they were riding their luck right there. Yeah. 
And it's going to be incredibly crucial for, for both of these teams to pick up points in their coming matches because Everton have Brentford and Leeds next, both away from home. But then they have to run into Liverpool, Arsenal, West Ham, followed away by a trip to Southampton, and then followed by Manchester United, Tottenham, and Newcastle. So we know the strength of the Premier League. You can look at any of these teams and say that there's going to be a you know a hard hard lineup to come ahead, but uh, it's going to be really crucial for them to pick up some big points against Brentford and Leeds this week before they head into the big boys. Yeah, I mean, basically it took them 270 minutes to score. They had an own goal scored for them last week, courtesy of Lucas Digne. Yeah. Um, but basically it took them 270 minutes to score their first goal of the Premier League season. Yeah. That, uh, that's definitely a little concerning. Uh, moving on, Fulham 3, Brentford 2, courtesy of a Mitrovic 90th-minute winner. Heartbreak for Brentford in this one. Great game, though, to watch. Um, a lot of excitement. Fulham looking good. <laughs> They're not looking bad at all. I, I picked them as my dark horse to finish up and, and finish somewhere decently. Um, Mitrovic is coming good. I, I mean, there's a recent scored, what, 42 goals or something ridiculous last year? Something like absurd. Yeah, I, I I don't have the number off the top of my head, but yeah, it was ridiculous amount. We said yeah. we he'd pretty much bring them as far as they can go, and he's doing a pretty good job of it so far. I mean, if he, listen, if he doesn't have that penalty save last week against Wolves, they have what seven points from their opening uh, three games, drew with Liverpool, win against Wolves potentially, and then Brentford too. Like that's that yeah. that would have been a hell of a start. I mean, it still is right now, but yeah, definitely. But I look, I don't want to talk only about Fulham because. Um, Brentford put in a really good match there as well. I mean, they went 2-0 down within the first 20 minutes. I mean, they were 1-0 down within the first minute, to be honest with you. So, yeah, like, for them to claw back after 2-0 down in 20, to bring them back 2-2, only to have their hearts broken in the 90th minute, away from home to a newly promoted side where Mitrovic, you know, is going to be on the ball and try to get, you know, and, and eventually netted the winner, um, is a really good response from them, at least. So that's encouraging to see. Um, last year, if it wasn't for the first like eight, nine, ten games, whatever it was, you would expect Brentford to go down 2-0 and, and stay 2-0 down. So I would, I'm happy to see the fight in that side. For me, this was probably one of the games of the week, honestly. Yeah, it's a little bit of a letdown from them, though, too, obviously coming off the back of the Man U result. But also at yeah. the same time, don't forget the opening uh, match of the year, they went down 2-0 against Leicester, too, and had to fight back. So yep. they got to stop putting themselves in the, these, these kind of holes because over the course of a long season. You don't want to get used to it. Yeah, that's going to that's gonna take its toll, and you're going to start dropping some points. Um, another, another concerning team that we have Leicester one Southampton two. Che Adams scores in the 84th minute to lock up all three points for the visitors. Listen, I'm still all with, I'm still on my Leicester is the Everton of last season. I don't know. I think they have a little too much talent to get relegated, but I see them being down near the bottom for a very long time and nothing they do right now. is changing my mind. Yeah. I mean, second to bottom, if it wasn't for West Ham's, uh, goal differential right now. Yeah. It's, it's worrying. Um, they're definitely in a tough predicament that we, we, we talked about it more than enough. I don't think we need to harp on it, but um, things have to change. They need to change fast. Unfortunately for Leicester, they haven't, you know, necessarily faced the easiest teams, although you would have expected they would have gotten results here against Southampton, but Southampton, to their credit, have been playing magnificently to start the season. Um, and going away to Chelsea and going to Chelsea and then playing Manchester United is not looking good for the opening five games for Leicester. No, no, it's definitely not. No, it's, it's rough. And it makes you wonder how much time does Rodgers get with this team? And like I was referring to, maybe if it's that bad, do they pull the plug before the World Cup and give their players an opportunity to work with a new coach before then to help salvage the season? Um, because if it, they're still in this bottom half of the table, if they're still below that number 15, I think you pull the plug, honestly, on Rodgers. You give someone a, an opportunity to step in. 
not to say again, we're super early in the season, anything could happen, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's, it's not obviously positive signs here. Yeah. Definitely. That might be one of the best. I'm sorry, Vito, you go. No, go for it. Go for it. No, I'm going to say that the come the world cup as much as like, we kind of hate that it's in the winter and break up the season. That might be a really good time for teams floundering to really kind of reconstruct everything and um, get solid against so that might come at the perfect time for some teams like a Leicester, or like an Everton mm-hmm. um, ones that need to change and need to change quick. Yeah. So uh, heading over to, I think it was the last game, right? This was the Saturday one. Yeah. Bournemouth Arsenal. Yeah. The prime time. Bournemouth nil, Arsenal three, Arsenal in first place. Are they truly cruising though? You have a win over, you have an away win over Bournemouth who did not look up to this game whatsoever. Um, they beat Leicester. That was relatively, you know, Crystal Palace had their chances in there. And who was their other game? I drew Leicester. Leicester. They beat Leicester. They beat Leicester. I don't know. I, I would scheduling. like to say yes, they're cruising, but I mean, look at look at the way that Bournemouth's been playing, and look at the way Leicester's been playing, and and I mean that result over Palace was good, but Palace could have had opportunities to nick a draw from that game, if not the win as well. So I mean, incredible goals in that game. Yeah, that that Saliba Saliba hit was unbelievable in the top corner. Yeah, I mean, listen, they they, they deserve all three record. points. I don't want to take anything away from that, and you know, I'm, I'm saying like along those lines, but. They had their own team at nine points. I just want to be cautious of it before, like, I mean, Sergio Aguero, this was their dark horse for the title. So, I, yeah. I don't know. I just hope they're, they've been working out and they're ready to hold the weight of the world on that title race they have coming now. It's theirs to lose, baby. It is yeah. theirs to lose. <laughs> well, yeah. If you, want to, point in it. if you want to get an idea of how how unbelievably of a letdown that game was for Bournemouth. Bournemouth the first home side not to have a shot or a touch in the opposition box in the first half of a Premier League match since Bournemouth against Manchester City in 2019. So, I mean, you're talking about three years since that's happened and they were the last one to do it. So, I mean, all all signs point to that being one of the worst halves of football a Premier League side's put together in a very long time. Yeah, it uh, it didn't help their causes to try to get any points in that match. That <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if you look at it too, you know, from at least vice versa, first three games last season for Arsenal to now to polar opposite. So you have to at least give credit in that Very sense true. to Arteta and the coaching staff. So we'll zero points that. last year, nine this year out of the first three. So well done there, Michael. Good analysis. Yeah. Heading over to Sunday matches, probably the biggest upset of the week, I would say. Leeds three, yeah. nil over Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably. I don't know the man. I mean, the man you went over. That, that's that is still pretty big too. Um, <laughs> is Leeds the fittest team on the planet? Like, bro, they're pr- on FIFA. If you press for ninety minutes, your team gets tired. Your stamina is down. Like, I'm just saying, like, it ain't possible. Leeds is saying it's possible. Leeds are the dark horse. Put your stock in Leeds. That's is, this is without a Pam- Patrick Bamford in that side absolutely demolished Chelsea. Um, they really, honestly, they dominated the vast majority of that game, in my opinion. Obviously, Chelsea's best chance was within 30 seconds of the match, and that was it. And yeah. They and, escaped and they took over. Yeah, so good on Leeds. I mean, this is everything you wanted from this size. They, they, they went out and got players with that high energy. They went out and got players with the work rate and the ability to fill the gaps in which we all knew Leeds desperately needed filled in that back line, both in Tyler Adams and the midfield. And they're doing it superbly. Jesse March has them running circles around most teams right now. And even in games where they're not coming out with all three points, they're putting in solid performances. 
Um, with that being said, it was that was the Chelsea side that showed up first week as well. Um, with the exception of you know, obviously against Spurs. So it's it's been that was a really interesting match, but I think it's cemented leads in a lot of people's minds that you know this team could do it. They can push for those European spots. The the opportunity is there. With that being said, I think European spots are a stretch. You think that you don't think they can get eighth place? No, absolutely not. Really? Absolutely not. I have them making their way up the table. I think they can do it this year. Absolutely not. I think they're a top half team that is just shy of it. I think they kind of collapsed right towards the end. They had it. They really don't have the experience and necessarily. I don't know if they have the depth. To, like you got to understand to play that style for 38 games over the course of a year is almost impossible. You have to have serious yeah. depth and if any injuries incur. Like you're just, it's just not obtainable. I don't think, but regardless. Um, yes. I think they're a top half table. I agree with you there. Vito pushing for Europe. I think they give it a damn good shot. I don't know if they get there, but all the teams around them really, like we've mentioned previously, haven't really done much to really convince us otherwise of why they should deserve that spot anyway. So, yeah, it's possible. I I think it is possible. Yeah. Likely, no. Possible, yes. With that being said, uh, I, w- I want to switch gears to Chelsea side real quick because I have an interesting question for you guys. Poop City. Edward Mendy, at the Asia he's at with his contract where it's at, do you think Chelsea holds off on giving him a new contract given the, the performances that he's been putting in recently, he is incredibly suspect with his feet playing out of the back and has been caught more times than not and has bailed himself out a couple of times as well. Otherwise, it'd be a, a bit of a darker picture. Where do you think Chelsea stands with that with that goalkeeper position, knowing that they signed Selena from uh, the Chicago Fire this year as well? I was going to say there's a reason they signed Selena, and there's a big reason because of that. I... Like you said, Mendy's been caught more time than one in the back, and that's not the first time we've seen it. And he is shaky at best with his feet. Kepa's on his way out. They're they're revamping that position. Probably keep him for another year, maybe two. I don't know what does, what's left on his contract. Do you know? I think a year or two tops. Let's say it's two years. You probably wait till next. This you'd let him go the rest of this year. You either extend him another, or you sell him in the summer and get some some type of value for him. Um, listen, he's filled in admirably for us. I mean, Champions League, like everything. But um, yeah. You know, young, young, unfortunately, youth youth um, is the way to go. Youth wins out, yeah. Before we move on from that Chelsea-Leeds game, there's just one thing I wanted to highlight, too. You don't have to bring it up. Immaculate form from Jesse Marsh with the Gronk spike with the water bottle. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Immaculate form. I mean, he was yep. obviously watching his tape because unbelievable spike into the ground, twisted the cap, full torque extension. Unbelievable. Did the water bottle make it? Do we know? I think he purposely twisted it so that way it wouldn't explode in somebody's face because he spiked the crap out of it. He really that's let smart. it rip. That, that's that's pro right there. That that's that's professional water bottle spiker. I heading over to the West Ham game. West Ham nil, Brighton two. West Ham is the last pointless team in the Premier League. They sit at the bottom of the table right now. No goals. Our, no what's goals. the concern level? You got no goals. <laughs> Yeah, that isn't good. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe now where you want to be. Well, you point out yeah. the obvious. They're Arsenal from last year, so you never know. Very true. Very true. But in West Ham, we, we've said before, right? They haven't, they are getting older. They We feel like they haven't retooled necessarily the right way. And each of the last two years, where they had chances to really make pushes for Champions League and Europa League, they've collapsed. Or are they just, did, did they, 
did their time did they have their shot and it just passed them now at this point that's what's kind of feeling like to me like they they had it and then now it's they have to go back Slightly. into retool mode a little Slightly. bit yeah i think they I, fucked up by not signing lingard permanently when they had the opportunity i yeah. think that was that was that key passing through the doors moment where if they were able to pull that off we could easily be talking about west ham now in a more consistent basis pushing for like that like top six like spot realistically but you're riding on the coattails of Bowen, an aging Antonio Scamaco, who's not prem proven just yet, but he's a great player. Um, I mean, they, they obviously revamped a bunch with a bunch of signings, but I, I'm just not sure. Let me ask you this in terms of West Ham, right? If, if you're West Ham's board right now, I know it's only three games in this season. It's way too early to be making those predictions, but that's what we do, right? Are you kicking yourself in the ass right now for not taking 120 million from Declan Rice, knowing you probably are finishing outside of the top six and that price tag's now maybe 70 or 60? I don't think the price tag went down that far, but it definitely went down. By the end um, of the yeah. year, could it be? I would, Without Champions I would, League football. I would, there's an opportunity or cost Europe. involved in that, right? You have like obviously what just happened where we were thinking right. it's going down. When you can pull an ungodly amount of money like that. And you have an aging squad. One, you one young player really can't, especially from a center defensive mid position. You know what I'm saying? Like, do anything enough enough to really push them towards like where they want to be. You got to look at taking on 120 mil. Maybe you're selling off some older players, bringing in another squad. Have a damn. I'm not saying a down year. You know, a rebuild year. Still top ten, and then taking that money really and really, really investing, investing yeah. back in. Who knows? Maybe I, someone I, will come it, back in for him at this point. Listen, yeah, it's easy. To, it, listen, it's easy to Monday morning quarterback that decision, no doubt about it. Yeah, but um, saying no to 120 mil for one player is very difficult to do, especially not for one that's going to be provide you with 25 goals in this season. Yeah. So, okay. uh, heading over to probably the game of the week, I would say, very much by a long shot here. Newcastle three, Man City three. We had bangers of goals. I, what what do you guys take away from this game more? Man City showing a, like a chink in the armor, like a weakness, or Newcastle showing, hey, we're ready to play with the big boys. We're here. Definitely not Newcastle saying they're ready to play with the big boys. We're here. I still think they have a little bit ways to go until they're at that level. I think, if anything, this is more little brother trying to beat up on big brother <laughs> with uh, oil money. Um, <clears throat> little brother got some damn good right hooks in then. <laughs> yeah. little, little, brother has a sh- little brother had some swings. But... Um, <laughs> But I, I honestly think like this has been the blueprint to play City for the longest time. And if teams have been patient, because if you go head to head and toe to toe at them, they're gonna you, burn you. They're, they're too much. They have too much quality. So you have to sit and counter. And when you have players like Saint Maximin who can, who can do that and just drive and terrify opponents, he had Kyle Walker spinning in circles. He had John Stones literally just totally lost in no man's land. Right? When you have players who can do that, that's when you burn uh, City. It's unfortunate they couldn't hold the lead, obviously, but um, I, I don't think they're at that point yet to answer your question, Steve. Yeah, and, and that goal by Callum Wilson was just absolutely world-class. That touch into his path and outside the boot uh, to the far post running across his body was unbelievable. But I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with Mike. Look, kick too. Most, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit, that was unbelievable. Look, most most teams are going to sit in a, in, a, in a low block against Manchester City and try to absorb pressure and hit him on the counter, right? That's the game plan against Manchester City. It's it doesn't work for most teams because for one simple fact is most teams don't break out of that low block into a counteroffensive 
quickly enough to break City apart. The City press usually pulls the ball back. Newcastle are built to be able to do that with the speed of Sal and St. Maximin and Callum, and Callum Wilson up front, right? They have that attacking threat going forward, and that's what you need if you're going to play against City, and they executed it perfectly. They just took every other game plan that all these other sides try to execute and just realized that they have the personnel to do it. So I think it's neither a blip on Manchester City or to go too far out ahead in, in Newcastle United because it's just too early, but... If I have to give credit to one side, it's without a doubt Newcastle going up 3-1, only, I mean, unfortunately blowing the lead, but um, yeah, it still took two world-class goals to get them in that position, and you can't bank on world-class goals going week in, week out, you know? Yeah, and so, also a couple of world-class passes, too, to come back from yeah. the city. Like the De Bruyne, oh, the, pass, the, Silva, the Silva pass to Gundogan in the beginning for the first yeah. goal. I mean, there was Colin had a chance to seal it too at the end there. Yeah, there were some unbelievable just goals in that game for multiple reasons. Yeah. But out of curiosity, too, speaking of Trippier, what were you guys' opinions on his foul on De Bruyne on the breakaway where he took him out, initially ruled a red card, overturned to a yellow? I like the decision. It's the right call. I also like how we went back and saw it and like we, we evaluated it and I think they made the right call. Yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, I mean I'm glad we can go back and revert a red card. We can't go and check one for a hair pulling, but, you know, the time's <laughs> passed. Yeah, look, I mean, he he went in a little high. That's You're, you're not going to, you know, argue that. But he didn't go in there maliciously. He didn't go there with force. And you can tell he got his leg across De Bruyne's body. He didn't go in with his studs at his kneecap. So I think from that perspective, a yellow is the right call. I understand why it came through as a red to begin with, but I think the reversal was maybe something VAR did right for once. Yeah, and you don't want to ruin a good, great game like that. Come on now. Last game of the weekend, or I guess kind of on a weekday, uh, Monday nighter, Man U 2, Liverpool 1. Honestly, going into this game, it felt as if Man U had the weight of the world completely on their shoulders, some of their players even as well. And they couldn't, like, if they walked out with no wins in three matches, like, is it just, is it just riots? Like, I, I, <laughs> they like they had to win this game. Like it was actually written on the stone. We should have called this one. I, I don't know, man. I got like I gotta be honest, like as big of a game as this is for Manchester United, like uh, it well it was, I think people underplayed how significant it was for Liverpool too. I think this match was equally as big for both of these sides, knowing that Liverpool, obviously in different scenarios, right? Liverpool needs to make up ground on, on City because going down the way they have this early on is incredibly detrimental. But going away to Old Trafford is never easy. I still didn't believe Manchester United could do it. I don't I don't care. I didn't think they'd be able to pull that off, and they pulled it off resoundingly. That Jaden Sancho goal to open the scoring where he he wrong-footed oh, Allison and sat down. I mean, Virgil got caught was, out. It was, it was, it was just yeah. – that was Borussia Dortmund, Jaden Sancho. That's what they paid the money for. That's what you need to see week in, week out. So, like, you, you, we always know the potential is there. Like, it just reminded me of preseason – the way they looked rather than the first two games of the season. So let's hope, let's hope that it's a spark to that squad at this point. Yeah. I was specifically happy for Rashford. Honestly, I know yeah. he gets a lot of shit for a lot of different reasons by the Manchester United fans, but for him, I felt like that goal was just a huge weight lifted off his shoulders. And hopefully it brings the best out of him just from like a pure footballing perspective, because when he's on, he's so much fun to watch as well. And he looked obviously like, so like a different player in that in that game in that second half after he scored that goal. 
And so, for those who don't know, that's that's his first goal in 17 matches and his first in the Premier League since since January of this year, to put that yeah. into context a little bit. Yeah, so that was a big, big, big goal for him. But, I mean, to dive, into, Liber- to dive into Liverpool, though, like you're starting, and I understand there are injuries and whatnot, but a Milner-Henderson-Elliott midfield, a Milner-Henderson pivot, I mean, you're just – you're asking for it. I'm sorry. Like you're, you're asking to kind of get run over in that midfield. So when that happens, like Klopp can make all the excuses he wants, but they didn't invest properly when they had the opportunity to replace uh, Wijnaldum. They only kept Tiago. They never really brought in somebody with that technical ability to beat a press and kind of make something happen creatively moving forward because it's not going to be Henderson or Milner. Milner's body's too old at this point. Henderson doesn't have a creative bone in his fucking body. <laughs> so, I mean, what do you what do you expect at that point? You know? Yeah. Let me ask you guys, do you think majority of the issues right now lie at the back for Liverpool? This is a side that only conceded 26 goals in the entirety of last year and have shipped in five in their opening three matches this year, um, <clears throat> including matches against a floundering Manchester United side up until this point, Crystal Palace and um, what was it Fulham to start the season, right? Newly promoted side. Mm-hmm. This back line for Liverpool looks extremely suspect last year Liverpool played a lot of 1-0 games or a lot of close match games where they were able to squeak out a point towards the latter half of the matches and it doesn't look like that's going to be a possibility right now the way things stand at the moment the way it's going because they're getting open up way too easily by one ball or one player not having Kanate right now obviously hurt them yeah right in that game that was big I also think the way Liverpool play just inherently, the way they push up their fullbacks, Robertson has the ability and the pace to get back, and he's a decent one-on-one defender. Trent, I'm sorry, I love him as an attacking fullback. He's almost like a Marcus Alonso to me, where like he he can just whip in balls day in, day night. He's got a yeah. banger of a foot or foot on him, right? But put him in a one-on-one scenario defending, and you're taking your chances, realistically. And more teams, I think you're going to see start exploiting that. And until Liverpool find a way to cope with that, I think they're – they're going to get exposed on that flank yeah. way too often. How many times did Van Dyke or Joe Gomez or, or Cognate last season bail the wingbacks out for being so far up the pitch and they're able to handle an attacker or two? But that's obviously not the case because now it seems like a couple of these goals that are going right through the middle. Van Dyke's getting beaver pace. I mean, it, it, I think they'll turn it around. There's too much talent in that back line not to, but it's a matter of, of when they're going to do it at this point. Agreed. I um, I just feel like there's a massive equality difference between Man City and Liverpool, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which like, I didn't see. Right it isn't over. It's 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 we a long way to go. But in my eyes, I don't see how Liverpool overtake City. No, not. At this I don't think it's possible. Time. Not at this time. They're already at what two points? They're at two fucking points through three games. Yep. Right. City's at seven, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Arsenal's leading the table at nine. Only undefeated team. I know it's five points. It's still three games through the season, but that's that's huge in the terms of the. Like, how many are you banking on City losing? Two, yeah, three at most. Exactly. And you're going to be have the ones that beat them. Yes, they have to beat them twice if they want any chance. I I don't see that happening. Yeah, if this gap gets any bigger, like it, I don't be that guy, but it's it's over. So, um, any out of curiosity, any hesitation to say their top four chances are in jeopardy, or you think that's pretty much locked? 
Like I think, it's, I think it's locked for top four because they were missing a couple key players like Darwin and um, who else wasn't playing. I don't that. know that it's locked. Because at this point, you're saying City, Arsenal, Tottenham are your top three. Do you think Ar- like Liverpool is fighting for that fourth? No. I, I don't know if they're necessarily fighting. Look, it, it's entirely possible that Liverpool goes on a, a twenty game under tear. Right. Yeah, it, yeah, it's but it's possible. also entirely possible that that these are issues that are starting to become very prevalent with age, given the the age yep. of these players. Like to Mike's point, the fullbacks aren't great defenders. Van Dyke's like 30-something years old at this point. Um, and Konyate is obviously young, and he, he has the ability to. But Milner's, Milner's getting up there. Jordan Henderson's up there. getting up there. You have the pace and the youth in the front lines. That, that's not going to help you where their problems are, and that's that's in the back line. They can score a goal. They still picked them back against United. They still put two in against Fulham. The back line's obviously the issue, and it's, it's not looking good. So if this goes – if we're still talking about this in – four weeks then yes that is then yes they're fighting for fourth place because Tottenham's not going to drop those points and Arsenal's not going to drop those points never thought I would have said that in the quantity as we get to that point in the season you know <laughs> fair enough fair enough let's head over to the uh the match previews for uh match week Z on four yeah round four now yeah um already lost in sauce on that one. First one up Southampton versus Manchester United on Saturday do we fall for the Man U hype, or do I go? Or I don't know. I'm feeling a draw on this one. It's a classic I, trap game, right? Yeah, classic trap. Southampton's <laughs> playing very, very well. Like I'm very surprised at their start to the season, and yeah, let's go draw. <laughs> I'm gonna take a Man U win. I I do think I'm, I'll fall into taking the odds. I'll, I'll I'll take the trap. I think they're riding the the confidence boost pretty high. I'm going to go draw, but I'm very close to taking a Southampton win. I'm going to have to think upon that one. Um, moving on, Chelsea versus Leicester. God, <laughs> they both look terrible. Um, so who looks less terrible? <laughs> give me Chelsea because they're at home. And I'm saying that with the least bit of confidence I think I've ever had. Yeah, I was, I was going back and forth between a Chelsea victory and a draw, but ultimately... I think Tuchel's going to bounce them back into shape. He's going to change things up. Obviously, the formation, everything's got to move around with Koulibaly having the red card. Going to be a going to be a little bit of a different back line, but I would expect Chelsea to to nick the points, even if it's just by the skin of their teeth. Yeah, they they possibly put up their worst performance of the season in yeah. game number three. I I think there's too much character in that locker room to let that happen again. Yeah, especially with Tuchel. I, I think. Chelsea win, maybe even after the game, you see Fafana switch shirts mid-game. Or even mid-game, he switches shirts. <laughs> You're going to take Thiago Silva's shirt and just start wearing it. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, hey, Wes, um, actually, you, you got to go over there. That blue color now. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, moving on, Brentford hosting Everton. Um, give me Brentford W here. I, I think they bounce back. They go up early, and they don't, they don't let uh, Everton in, in this game at all. I would agree. Run for W. I think the, their fight over the past couple of games versus Man U <clears throat> versus Arsenal, uh, even, not Arsenal, excuse me, versus Fulham, even though they lost. I think there's a lot of character in that. And with Everton, like I mentioned, I don't, Gordon's a question mark. Solomon Rodon up top. I just don't trust what they have to put out there to score goals. So I'll take it. It seems like Everton's like a less dramatic Manchester United right now in terms of like where 
where the stability of the club is. Um, one of the interesting matches of probably the weekend here, Brighton hosting Leeds. Um, God, this one's that is that is a who. I'm going to take Leeds here. I, I, I'm going to be hard pressed to not so take bad. them after that performance last week and, and the way I rate their squad at the moment. Um, I think they're going to have enough to overcome Brighton. They've obviously been playing incredibly well. Graham Potter's an absolute magician. I'm going to start calling him Dumbledore or some shit, but I think Leeds and <laughs> Jesse Marsh is going to handle it. I think Brighton can slow Leeds down and, and nick a 1-0 win. They, like they play that, that kind of style where they could just settle the game. I don't want to say no to Leeds, though. Give me Brighton win. Fuck, I don't like Brighton it. win? Um, Steve, you and I are on the same thought path here. Uh, I'm not betting against Potter right now. I think Graham Potter has got the Brighton team playing very, very well. I watched that game that they played against West Ham uh, even on the weekend. They were playing liquid football. All right, this dude um, is definitely Dumbledore if, they, if his first last name is Potter, okay? <laughs> I didn't even think about that originally. <laughs> that is beautiful. Um, you're a wizard, Graham. You're a wizard, Graham. <laughs> you're a wizard, Graham. If I'm the, lead, if I'm the brightest one of them showing up head to toe in, like, Harry Potter here. <laughs> I, want, I want lightning bolts on everyone's foreheads. Everyone's forehead. Honestly, he would he would fit the bill pretty well. Yeah. And, he would, he would. Um, but I, I do think Brighton just tactically, I think Potter is a little bit better of a coach, honestly, than, than uh, Jesse Marsh. And I say that with the heaviest of hearts. And I do think that that's ultimately what really puts them ahead, not necessarily the press, but they're able to break it down pretty easily. To your point, Steve. Yeah, you know, the, the final thing is to be easily done. I just think he, he, he knows exactly how to counter what Jesse Marsh is and Leeds is going to yeah. throw with them. That, that's, yeah. that's the only thing about it. Um, Liverpool hosting uh, Bournemouth. I mean, listen, if if they're dropping points here, uh, so we all we all on par here for Liverpool dub after watching Bournemouth net get a shot in the uh, the eighteen yeah. in the first half. Yeah, yeah. not ready. Uh, Man City hosting Palace. Palace has pulled off some interesting results against Man City over the years. So I don't want to throw it out of there, but I also want to catch off the back of a not a win at the same time. Yeah, typically those teams get obliterated and i don't want to say palace will get obliterated but i don't think yeah, they, they have will. a rough opening schedule Liv- they have an arsenal, incredibly difficult schedule arsenal city uh who else have they played palace yeah they played liverpool arsenal now it was city. liverpool right okay i thought yeah and yeah. they're opening yeah. four games they played the top three teams in the league and they're still putting up results yeah, they're Man, still putting up results. Yes, and at the very minimum, incredible performances given the quality of the opposition. Yeah. You I mean, know Vieira. Um, He's doing a great I, job. I, I do think City overpower them in this game, but I think you'll obviously see a, a hell of a fight from Palace throughout it. So it'll be a great this game. This reminds me of like a 3-1 game where Palace missed a few early opportunities to help get ahead. Who knows? It could be that same blueprint where they have Eze, they have Zaha, they have speedy people who like to dribble, and this could be a great opportunity to literally just mimic that blueprint that Newcastle had and actually execute on it with debatably a little bit better of a defense, maybe with Gahey. But well, put in perspective, unbeaten in the last two matches, they, the last two times they played in the league, but a 0 0 draw and a 2 0 win for Palace. Last year, that yeah, is. Yeah, and if you go, even if you go like a year or two back, you have that Towson banger 
from outside. Oh the box my god, I remember that. Yeah, that's that's a little too. bit back there. That's 2018. That's that's, that's farther. Was that was yeah, it that yeah. far? Yeah, it was that far. City's oh, okay. pretty much dominated them ever since then. <laughs> That one, that one still stands out. Let's put it that way. That yeah. was incredible. Look, I'm, I'm still going to take a city win. They're going to bounce back for that Newcastle game. They're going to understand the importance of that. And and it's at the Etihad. I just, it's hard to bet against the best team in arguably the world at this point. Palace has no fear though. Oh, if if our if if City was not coming off a draw just now, I would probably give this one that. But I don't know. I just don't feel like they can drop points in back to back games. It feels like it's illegal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> moving on we have arsenal hosting fulham um gave me this game preseason i would tell you arsenal dub no problem three nil let's move on uh, is there fulham, a look good. fulham look good man i'm taking a draw i think arsenal dropped their points finally here yeah i'm, I'm with Vito. i'm gonna take a draw as well i really want to be different but i had it in my head to to rip a draw as well what a follower <laughs> God damn! You know what? At least you're at least you know lying, not sheep. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a London derby, right? So fuck <laughs> it. Let's say Fulham for the win. Mark, oh, let's go to say be, be a right, real that way, right. and do it. Fulham yeah, for the fucking win. Mitrovic for the win. Let's get it. <laughs> Shows us four. The Serbian Superman for the win. Let's go. Let's get it. Oh goodness! All right, bring us home, Steve. Last three. Villa hosting West Ham. I'm sorry, I got that got me a little bit good. <laughs> what the Serbian, su- the Serbian Superman? <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what you made me laugh. I have a lot of draws this week. I'm taking this as a draw as well. I think West Ham finally got their points here. Uh, West Ham win. I think they they need a goal. I think they score a goal, um, and a couple of goals for that matter. And I think they they walk away with a dub here. It kind of reminds me of Man U last week where they, they desperately need points. And it almost yeah. feels like they, I don't want to say destined to get them, but like. Mm, but Villa's just as bad. They need points too. All right. This one's tough. I'm going I'm to cop out. Give me the draw. Draw it is. They both get them. Points for everybody. <laughs> points for everybody. <laughs> uh, Wolves versus Newcastle. Gotta go Newcastle, but Wolves, Wolves need them too. Um, I'm going Newcastle win. Aaron yeah, I, I'm I'm with you, Steve. I mean, anytime you draw and you score three goals against Manchester City, I'm taking you following week just out of just out of pure fucking appreciation. I'm taking a draw here. <laughs> there you go, Smart, man. I draw. Sure, well, Wolves, not cheap. Zero, man. All right, last game of the weekend. Uh, Force hosting the Spurs. Force on the back of a couple good results for him. A win and a draw recently. Um, Spurs, obviously, uh, you know. They did Go their on. thing. <laughs> uh, Look, Spurs win. I didn't say it. Spurs win. Spurs have to spur eventually. That's that's that's, that's that's a thing. That they you know do. what I mean? And I if it's going to happen, it'd be against a newly promoted side who's playing well. I I'm look. Do I give Forest only like a thirty percent chance? Yeah, probably. But I'm taking them in this one. I don't know. Give me the Watch. thirty. Watching Forest play, they they looked better this past week versus Everton, but I also don't know if that was because they were playing Everton. Everton. Um, <laughs> but watching their other games, they very much just bamboozled their way into getting goals. It wasn't like they, I, I want to be honest, like really worked anything too well. Um, 
I think they're going to get exposed pretty badly by Spurs here. Um, I think this is going to be a beat down for Spurs. Um, and to, to your point, Vito, where they're going to actually start spurring, it's obviously the Champions League. That is not Conte's forte. They're going <laughs> to crash out of the Champions League. <laughs> so, which a draw we find out later this week. So that'll be exciting. Yep. Understandable. Um, actually, just going back over the odds, I just, I just took a quick look at FanDuel real quick. Uh, the Brighton Leeds game, they actually have Brighton as minus 115 favorites, um, Leeds plus 310. I kind of mentioned a little bit right there where the uh, sports books are at. Liverpool minus 900 favorites, shocking, but also not shocking the way they've been playing. Um, any of the big ones that we kind of had 50 50 thoughts on? Yeah. Not really too much, right? Wolves no. New- oh, Wolves, New- Wolves Newcastle, they, they consider it extremely open. Plus 175 Wolves, plus 220 draw, plus 165 Newcastle. Um, so I think that was going to be – I actually, Newcastle win looks very good right there. Um, Just some interesting ones to kind of toss at you. Same thing with West Ham Villa. They think that one's pretty open as well, almost like the same exact odds across the board. And then they have uh, Forest as plus 600 underdogs against Tottenham. Put your money on Forest, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Plus don't do it. Don't, 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 no, I will not. No, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> we, we, we do not condone, condone gambling or nor give gambling advice that's actually good. Um, no, but we appreciate it. Yes. And it will be given regardless uh, on Twitter because I'm definitely putting a $10 parlay in again just for shits and gigs. <laughs> Anything else, fellas? That's it for me, man. Excited for the Champions right. League draw this week. See what, what, what day is that? Tuesday? Thursday. Today's Thursday. Tuesday. Oh, it's always <laughs> been a long week yeah we feel that feel that that'll do it for this episode of the sunny league streamers podcast like comment hit the bell subscribe to us on youtube itunes spotify and wherever else you find your podcast also follow us on twitter at the sl screamers underscore pod for daily tweets about the show the world football united states men's national team and the premier league i'm your host steve with mike and vito signing off <laughs>